Welcome back to the dojo. We are still on the the mobile set here. We have a guest on today's show that you know I'd like I'd like to say I'm very excited about. I'm very excited. If you would have told me ever that I'd be in a couch in Caesar's Palace talking to Lisa Ann, I'd think you're crazy. And the guest is Lisa Ann. Lisa, how are we doing? I'm great. You know, I think we're all at that point in Vegas where we've lost our voice a little bit, which, you know, we're like, oh, we got to record a podcast. I yeah. can barely talk. Um, between the dry, between the yelling over the loud noise, everything. But we're there. But yeah, we're so committed to just powering through. So I feel great. Oh, yeah. Content, everything. Everything. And I've, I've had a long standing take since I've, this is my third time, I think, in Vegas. Um, there's no better feeling than the flight to Vegas. And there's no worse feeling than the flight home of being like, Wow, I never want to come back. <laughs> I love seeing people at the airport that are like going through the security line and they have a duffel and they don't even have the gumption to carry it. They're like kicking it. Just like dragging just like kicking it. it. Everybody just looks like they've lost especially yeah. if you take an early morning flight, which I try to do. Everyone just looks like they've lost their life. Oh, they yeah. never want to come back. And meanwhile, in a week they're booking their next trip. There's no soul in the eyes of people leaving Vegas. None. None. And the people getting off the flights like, Whoa! Yeah. Like, let's go party. This is my third trip here this year. Oh, I was gonna ask wow. you live here or no? No, I yeah. live in New York City, but oh, somehow wow. my schedule landed where I'm coming here already like ten times. This I was gonna year. ask because I saw on Twitter you were like all over the place this week, and you ended up in Vegas somehow. That's crazy. This is my oh my god eighth or ninth trip of 2023 already. It's been quite a travel year for wow. me. Wow, no way. I was mm -hmm. also very impressed because I woke up this morning, wiped oh, yeah. the crust out of my eyes at like 10:30. First thing I do is I go on Twitter. First tweet I see is Lisa. All dolled up, dressed, motivational tweet. I'm like, I was just with her five hours ago. How is she already up and at it and moving around? How do you do it? How do you do it? I like doing it. <laughs> yeah, did you I mean, get any sleep last night? I did, and I didn't drink much last night. Okay. So if you don't drink much, you can wake up. I woke up before my alarm, 20 minutes. You know how good that feels. <laughs> where you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. I feel good. Um, slept great, but I like doing it. You know, I remember, so me being much older than both of you, how old are you? I'm 25. Okay, you can add you two together and you're my age. <laughs> and I remember how difficult it was to interact. We had to do a fan club by mail. Sure, you know, I was the yeah. first one of my friends to have a computer and learn print shop so I could do a monthly newsletter and stay connected with my fans. Wow. You had to buy ads in a newspaper. So wow. you had to decide what sports page everybody was reading. And, no you know, where am I going to place the ad? When's it going to land? And you, you were constantly trying to figure out. You, we had phone books, you know? We had pagers. Um, so the fact that I can just do this instantaneously from anywhere in the world from my phone is like still a gift to me. And something that I was gonna say too is having met you, one, an incredible person, but you know, coming from like what we do, we talk about it all the time where, you know, one of our mantras is like, you just, you won't outwork me. That's like something that we're big on. Uh, and what we do with the podcast, with social media, just you won't outwork me. Having been able to spend two days around you, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen someone that works as hard, but makes it look so effortless. Like we're at a club last night till 3 a.m. and it is constant networking, like constant networking. Yeah, We're, yeah, I mean, it is just like, I just want to say that was very cool to witness as almost not humbling, but to be like, wow, like I'm not like, I'm working hard, but this is crazy. Yeah. Like when I work hard, it looks like I'm working hard. Like I'm like sweating, like, geez, it's a long day. Like, like, yeah, I was just at this dispensary. We did this. I had this whole shoot and then I'm coming here and then I'm going there and then I'm, and it's like energy is like on a thousand and we show up to film today. And I was like, dude, I feel like, Someone took my soul last night. Like I don't, I don't know how to live right now. Yeah, 
Like breathing is hard. You also brought up a really interesting point about like how long you've been doing, you know, what you've been doing. Uh, the transition and like media from where you started to like where it is now and just how different your job has transitioned throughout the last, you know, 20 years. I'm sure it's, you know, always shifting for you, but in terms of like having, you know, newspaper ads and such versus now you can do it anywhere in the world. Like uh, to me, that's just like pretty crazy that you've seen the evolution of, you know, what you do and how it's changed. And I think that gives me a, a greater appreciation for the ease of social media and why yeah. I love plugging content out there. Sure. It's just because I saw the struggle. Yeah. I still have a, a scrapbook with like newspaper ads when I was so proud, like the early 90s. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, my photo's in the sports page. This is so cool. It's by the box scores. Like that's where I've always wanted to be. And as for radio, you know, when I was on the road feature dancing, I got to visit the best sports shows all over the US. And as soon as I would go in, I realized, like you get to know the host cadence you see what they're about it was much harder to pre-listen to them before so if you weren't in that network you could just go to their am station and find them. it wasn't like iHeartRadio is online you can hear any station so i would really have to take that first like five minutes and like feel the room who talks the most you know who likes to chime in this and that and i would get these spots that were supposed to be 15 minute spots for the club and because i loved sports and i always wanted to talk sports and i had already planned to go to a game while i was in that city for mm. you know that gig they would keep me for an hour. And so it just became really natural that like when I was gonna stop being on the road full time, I was gonna be doing radio. And then talk to me a little bit about kind of your love for sports. Cause I feel like that might be something that's lost on a lot of people or that, you know, not that you wouldn't expect, but the depth of knowledge that you like you talk circles around me when it comes to sports and i feel like i've like the only thing i'm interested in is sports and like you had a whole career and then made this transition almost seamlessly and now it's like you're at the top of the game in one profession and now you're at the top of the game in this other profession like talk to me about that love for sports and like where it started and how you got to where you are now in sports and like the transition from sports to sports betting too and yeah. how you got into that so sports started as a kid i grew up in easton pennsylvania very small town uh, we had Lafayette College, so Lafayette Lehigh was a big rivalry. Mm. So growing up, my mom was dating the basketball coach for Lafayette College. Okay. So we got to go to every home game. She was what they called a basketball mom. She and the other moms would cook meals so that the away team could get a home cooked meal before they got on the bus. Mm. So her doing that allowed us to have access to go to all the games. You know, her her boyfriend at the time for years. So my life revolved around Lafayette College's basketball schedule that was on my fridge like I knew and the sound of the sneakers squeaking my first couple of games I was like I'm so in love with this and then I started playing basketball so I played basketball competitively all through school did all the tournaments live in a building now that has a basketball court so I can still shoot hoops and so basketball was kind of my mom's side of the family my dad who we only saw on Sundays loved football also a big Penn State fan, so he'd be watching Saturdays, we'd visit him on Sundays. So I really realized young, like if I wanna have conversation during football season, I need to learn this sport because this is what we're doing. It's 11 to five, we're watching games, yep. right? And my dad really didn't like broadcasters, so he would play Italian music while we watched the game. Interesting. No way. Hated, and so we're sitting at the strip club and watching games with music playing. I'm like, this just reminds me of my childhood because yeah. you don't feel the energy of the cheering of the crowd yep. when you're listening to music. It's so anticlimactic. Yes. It's like, please turn off the music and let us hear, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, a massive play you got Botticelli playing in the background. It's like, come on, man. Yes, yes. That's how I feel at being at Circa, bro. It's just bumping fucking EDM yeah. the entire 
yes, time. Yes, it, it ruins it. I know. It but does. then I have like three drinks. I'm like, you know what? I wish they could <laughs> give us mind. options in our cabanas where <laughs> yes. it's like, if you put in these earpods, you'll get this network. Yes. But so back to that. So it made me learn football because if there, if a referee was calling something, I had to know what he was calling because I couldn't hear the broadcaster tell hear. me what he was calling. And if I wasn't sure on commercial, I'd ask my brother and my dad, what just happened there? Why was that called? So probably by 12, you know, I'm knowing all the rules and I'm knowing what the refs are calling just because I was not allowed to listen to the audio. So basketball and football were my two loves. Wasn't until later in life that I really dove into baseball. So then you picture me loving sports, being able to get in the business and being able to go on the road. The first thing I thought to myself was like, why wouldn't I try and do every stadium, every ballpark? Why wouldn't I, when I go into these radio shows to do interviews, ask if they have tickets? Like, why wouldn't I make this my thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And pass the time that way. And so, you know, when you go to a game in a city and the fans know you're going and you talk to them at their local strip club about their stadium, there's this fondness they get for you. Like, wow, mad respect. Like, what'd you think of the park? What was your favorite thing? Mm. Who's your favorite player? And so that really wove into my fan base where when I transitioned, my real fans knew this was real because they'd had conversations with me about sports Mm -hmm. at strip clubs. And also sports for me kept me healthy kept me falling from falling into the pitfalls of the industry, heavy drugs, heavy drinking, because I would go home. You know, we had four channels on hotel TVs in the 90s, and one of them was ESPN. And it was SportsCenter. Yeah. And you watched the full thing multiple, multiple times. times. <laughs> you would just let it repeat, because it was like the only, and so you just got to learn more, yeah. got to learn more. And so I'd get, I'd get on the road, get the newspaper, check the box scores, know it, what game I was going to, talk to everybody about the game, and it just became a passion that kept me out of kind of the darkness. I traveled alone for five years, uh, feature dancing. I couldn't, they wouldn't buy a second ticket yet, right? I couldn't get security. And so traveling alone, you gotta stay focused. Mm-hmm. And so the focus was watching games, knowing what games would replay on ESPN at like three in the morning when I was getting back from the club. So a game that I missed, I could still watch. <laughs> yeah, and like, wow, yeah. that was like, and then following athletes and reading their books and like learning about fitness and different workout things and cryotherapy and infrared. Like it just kept me fine-tuning my life because I looked at myself as an athlete I'm on the road I've got to stay in shape Mm. I've got to live on the road and find food that still works in my diet I've got to be fit to do this and not get exhausted same with doing scenes you've got to be fit to do it not get exhausted Mm -hmm. so I always felt like I was an athlete and sports just really kept me like loving life excited about things I can remember the decision and the club wanted to pick me up and I'm like you know I'm not gonna leave the hotel until LeBron makes his choice. So like, like, listen, these kids, there's a huge decision going on. There's just no way. There's no way right I can, you know, this is before Twitter, yeah. you know? So like there were certain, and if, you know, my friend who's here with me, I was at a, I was at a club in Denver and the Nuggets were going into overtime and I was supposed to go on stage and I said to the manager, like, you can't do this to me. And you can't do this to every guy in here who's watching this yeah. game. I don't want to be on stage, right? That's just rude. <laughs> and then it went into second overtime. He's like, it's getting so much later. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm not going up until we see what, it's double overtime. How can you make me, if I have to go on stage, I will be dancing and staring at the television the whole time. And, and half so, the guys are going to be like, Lisa? And many <laughs> oh guys God, noticed overtime. I would watch games at clubs, like many guys. So when I was 
on the road, I also had a show on Sirius XM called Stripper Town, and it was Monday nights. Mm. And it was awesome. Dudes would call in and tell horror stories of shit that happened to them at strip clubs. <laughs> By the way, I can swear, right? Yeah, yeah. No, you're yeah. good, yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and I would interview girls in the industry who were going on the road and feature dancing, but it was Monday nights. So my fans that knew I was pissed that there was no TV, that I couldn't see the Monday night football game, they would call, they'd lie to my producer about having a story about the strip club, and then as soon as they'd get on, they'd be like, all right, here's the score, here's where we're at right now, here's who got injured, and they'd give me this thing. Two times my producer writes me up, he's like, this is Playboy Radio, we're not here to talk sports. <laughs> and on the third time, he's like, guess what? My friend in New York, Sirius there, he had a fantasy football show with Playboy Playmates. And it just broke up, and I know you're a great fit for this show. That was yeah. 2013. I flew to New York the next week. I met with him. I got a studio apartment across the street from New York, from the studios, because I was like, you know what? If I do my show from this, the energy's gonna be so much better, and then I'll fly back to LA and do my work there, and I'll just come back and forth, back yeah. and forth every week. And I would have my feature bookings on Sunday instead of flying me back to LA, fly me to New York. I'd stay there Sunday, watch games, do my show Monday night, and then Tuesday morning, first flight out, go to LA and work. And it just, it was such an easy transition because those fans that met me for 30 years on the road knew I absolutely loved it and they were happy for me. They were like, this is perfect and they get to still be connected to me. So that's kind of the, the kind of round of it. I worked for SiriusXM for seven years. I left and now I'm working for my original boss at Better Sports Network. He was my boss that hired me, that believed in me and gave me the chance. Mm -hmm. And when he started his own company, I'm like, of course I'm gonna work for you. He's if it like, wasn't yep. for you, I wouldn't be right yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, no, that's 100%. crazy. I mean, after hearing that, now I understand how she was up at 8 a.m. Yeah, that, the, the 8 a.m. tweet makes <laughs> way, way more sense, sense now. <laughs> we were sitting here before you got here being like, he literally, was, we were talking about like, you know, what we're gonna ask you, like the conversation. And Trent, I was laying on the bed because I was a little tired. And Trent literally looked at me and he was like, I'm just gonna ask her, like, how do you do it? Like, Trent woke up this morning, posted a video being like, all right, we're taking the parlay today, guys. Oh my God. Like checking Twitter, the first thing is like, go be great today. And it's like a Lisa Ann tweet. So that like, makes damn. way more sense now, yeah. Um, but Also, like, I, if I don't drink much, it's way easier. I've had a couple more hangovers already this year than I had the whole year last year. And and it, it is not pleasant, not no, pleasant. So that's the key. Maybe we just don't get yeah. like really drunk and we'll be able to wake up and feel good. But it's Vegas. You said, you said that you woke up before the alarm and there's no better feeling. We couldn't have had more contrasting experiences this morning. I woke up before my alarm and was like, oh my God. Shit off. Like who did this? Who let me wake up before this thing made noise? Um, but that is just that's incredible. I mean, two different sides of the spectrum on, yeah. on our wake ups this morning. Um, but talk to us a little bit about kind of how sports betting now became a part of sports and kind of the way you saw. Because I mean, we we talk about it all the time. People have been betting way before it became you know nationally legalized. So kind of talk to us through that experience for you. Because you know us getting into social media now, it's it was because of sports betting. It wasn't really just sports in, in general, right? So kind of, I would love to know how you've seen that progression of the way betting is almost taking over the sports world, where it's almost becoming not sports betting, but I feel like just in terms of the way things are going, it almost feels like we should switch the words and it's like betting sports because the betting almost has become more important than, than the game itself, it feels like at some times. I completely agree and think about, you know, you turn 18 today, you never knew sports betting wasn't an option for you. You're betting, that's your thing, you're betting. So when I started with SiriusXM in 2013, I was mainly covering fantasy sports. And remember, in 2014, 15 was when FanDuel and DraftKings started going through all that shit where mm -hmm. is it legal? 
mm-hmm. is it gambling is it can you believe that was less than 10 years ago that they lost millions of dollars fighting states in court about yep. whether it was chance luck or gambling yep. and so before it was legal the great thing was the offshore books had a ton of money oh, yeah. and the influencer money for offshore books was stupid mm. so as soon as i realized that was a thing i was like I need to watch every betting documentary. Like, yeah, this will do. I need to read every book on betting. <laughs> I need to reach out to all my friends that do sports betting because I was so dug into fantasy sports and seeing it growing up as an illegal thing and then seeing it as an organized all these props and all these options and all these choices. When you had a bookie, you know, my uncles and dad had a bookie, they'd call and there'd be like three options. What do you want to put your money on? Mm-hmm. Fine, we'll do that. You know, now you can break down a game a hundred ways, players three ways per game in NBA, you know, the overall, the rebounds, like everything. And so watching how now we're looking at it, like is fantasy sports still going to matter? That's competitive, right? Mm-hmm. And how sports betting is definitely opening up an audience to watch games you would never watch, to follow players you would never follow, mm-hmm. and to care, to care about the Cleveland Browns. Like you care because you're like, I, you know, I took that prop for anytime touchdown, yeah. I'm all in, I got a parlay going right now with this. It just makes it better if you're already a sports fan. It takes away any annoyance. Also, when you're betting, you also don't mind as many commercials because you're checking on your shit all the time. Yeah. If you're watching a standalone game and you're not betting, what are you doing during the commercials? <laughs> you're losing your mind. Yeah. But if you're betting, you're like, all right, how am I doing? How's this looking? Let me go over the box score over here. You know. Or if it, you're us, it's like, wow, how is that already dead? I mean, the game just started. I don't understand how it's already losing. But and yeah. also, <laughs> if you think about recession-proof businesses, porn, alcohol, cigarettes, these are all recession-proof businesses. Oh, yeah. Gambling is right there. Yeah. It's just that we're not clumping it in yet because it's so you know new so early, yeah. that it's been legalized. But it is a recession-proof sport. People are gonna do it no matter what. It's an escape. And when that shit hits the fan, people will spend more money because they're like, oh, we can all die tomorrow. Like, now's the time to be at biggest parlay ever. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Let me put my house on it. You know, you might be going to war. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. people get even more careless. So. I've always wanted to stay as close to recession-proof businesses as possible because it's inevitable that the market's gonna do well for 10 years, dip for five, come back up, and if you're Mm -hmm. living on that so close, you're gonna feel it every time. If you're in my world, you're never gonna feel it. I mean, I'm getting more gigs than ever, and you think about banks closing and people panicking, and I'm like, I got a bunch of strip club gigs, you know, they pay me really well. (laughs) I just hang out with my friends, drink, like, I'm good. Is the world falling apart? Banks are closing? Huh, that's interesting. The club is full, so I don't know know what's going on out there. There were 300-some girls there last night, 10,000 customers, right? So like, yeah, so that's what really made me lean in, like, okay, this is a safe place, and, my demographic is mainly male. Mm-hmm. You know, the demographic of betting is mainly male. Not that we don't want to open that up, mm-hmm. but easy, easy transfer for my people. And have you kind of seen that? Like, you know, you're saying it's it's mainly male dominant. Have you seen an influx now of you know females starting to get into it? Because I think we're we're starting to see it too. And you know, we we work with a girl named Lauren who, you know. A year ago, I don't even think I could have explained sports betting to some of my my girlfriends. And now it's like we sit on the couch with her, and it's like she's sweating with us and going crazy. And it's like it's awesome to like see. And I wanted to see from your perspective as a female that is a cornerstone in, in sports betting right now. Have you kind of seen that new influx of females wanting to get into it? And what has that kind of been like being almost, I would say, the Sherpa of it kind of being like, yeah, no, this is like something we can get into here. I mean, it's Because guys great. are very like fraternity based where it's yes. like, get, like, stay out, stay yes. out, stay out, stay out. Yes. It's been great. My very first FSGA in 2013, it was me and one other woman. 
Wow. And then like once in a while, Stefania Bell would come to an event. And I'm like, okay, there's three of us. <laughs> you know, and now there's a ton of women, yeah. not just working for the companies, but doing influencer work, being part of sport, and they know their shit. Mm-hmm. Know you know, it. and even Barstool opened up to bring in, you know, Kelly in Vegas is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like so many more women into it. And what I notice about that community is the women, we all follow each other. Yeah. We all try and meet each other. We are, it's like sports betting soul sisters, we call each other, yeah. but we are mm-hmm. tighter, thick as thieves, more than any groups of men in the community. And everyone brings in like one new person, mm-hmm. one new person, one new person, and helps each other out. And I notice that women are really more like, sweet about they see a post they retweet it you know they always comment like women really engage on social with their women that are in the same space as them and so i feel like it can double in the next two to three years just from the influence of other women wanting to bring in other women you met lauren the better last Mm -hmm. night who i met you know through social media initially through cameo but then we started talking on social media became friends she gives me eight more people follow all these women they do great pics everyone's specific my girlfriend Allie loves golf so she's you know big in golf works with FanDuel you know Steffi Smalls but like there's it's so neat how everyone's like, I'm just gonna mm-hmm. choose my two sports I love. I'm not gonna do all sports. So you know who your go-to people are. Yep. Baseball is also Allie. So she's baseball and golf. And like Steph and I are like, I do baseball because I have to. Steph's like, I'll never do baseball ever. So, but <laughs> what, are it's, your, what are your two favorite sports to bet on? A basketball and, and football for basketball, sure. Football. But you know, I love golf and I watch every tourney. I'm like such a closet mm. golf freak. <laughs> and then UFC, sometimes like, during the pandemic, I got really into UFC. Having that that bubble in Dubai, I yeah. was all, what were we spending money on? Who cares about $99 every Saturday night? Oh, you know, we're not leaving our house. Yeah. Watched everyone. I love that you could hear the hit yeah. and then watch it welt up. I love that it was like the no fans thing was like, Silent. this is so intense. Yeah. I could hear them breathing. That was cool. It's blood just, and I got, in so I'll I'll do UFC from time to time, but I try not to while out. Baseball is too unpredictable, but I do play fantasy baseball. Yeah, I mm. love baseball too. Um, so I mean, I have to. I feel like I have to ask. Um, you know, we we've talked about it on the show before. You know, when we first started interacting with you, um, as it's almost like talking to what we would equate the Michael Jordan of the adult industry. <laughs> Literally, and is. we're talking a lot about social media though, and right now. You know, we talk about all the time with platforms like TikTok. It is the easiest right now to go viral and to build a following. And I started thinking about it yesterday a little bit. How, in a time where there was really no social media, did you become this figure in the adult industry where you couldn't go on Instagram, you couldn't go on TikTok and and build your name like that? How did that go? And also, thank you for your service. So I just had to get that out there. Where did the fame begin? Where Where did it start? Um, in fifth grade, I won a creative writing contest in the state of Pennsylvania, and I was on the cover of my high school, of my uh, city newspaper. And I remember them coming into my school and shooting this photo of me. It's a black and white photo. You know, I'm writing with my little pen with the eraser. Back then, we had pens that erased. And I remember that because everybody in my small town of Easton knew. And so anywhere we'd go, we'd talk about it. I was like, that definitely was my first taste of fame where I was like, I like this. I like this kind of attention. I like mm-hmm. this kind of you know, involvement with strangers. But in the industry, 
you knew that if you didn't have a fan club and you have a newsletter and you didn't talk to your fans on the road, you had to do so many things to become popular. You couldn't just shoot scenes. You had to go to bookstores and do bookstore settings. You had to do radio shows. You had to do um, conventions. You had to dance. Like You had to do 25 jobs and you had to consistently be doing them every month so that you stayed relevant. I would write thank you notes to every club I worked at. I would send flowers to the girls' dressing room at the clubs I worked at. Like I made sure I made a lasting impression on people so that they remembered me for something other than the brunette girl that was here at the club. I think that works to my advantage because I had to work so hard to brand myself that now it's like, oh, this is so easy to go viral. But people that go viral that quickly don't really often know how to hold it. Holding it is the key. Mm-hmm. Staying connected with your community, doing lives, knowing who your people are in lives, so you can acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. And, and then you know who they are on other platforms. Like It is a lot of memory and it's a lot of focus on letting your community know that you know that if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be who you are yeah. in the big picture of yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of gratitude there. And um. You know, we, we talk about this all the time too when, when we shoot like a video or something and we're like, oh, like this is going to play really well. When you were at like your peak in, in the adult industry, would, would there be times where, you know, you'd wrap up a set and you'd be like, yeah, that was a banger. That's going to go crazy. Or is it kind of like, like how does that, you know, because, you know, we don't, you don't really get a, a looking glass into, you know, how that all works and all that stuff. Like, in like when an athlete has a good practice, like, yeah, that felt good. Like, was there times where you'd be like, yeah, this is going to be like a banger of a video. You did know, but you also had to trust in the company that they were gonna put it out properly. So even if you did something really good, you then were like, okay, they could edit this really poorly. I don't know how it looked on the camera. I started shooting on film. We didn't have digital cameras. So like each time you need to move positions in a scene, they had to relight the entire room and move everything around. So you and the guy had to be like hanging out and you had to be keeping him going so that you could go back in and have a strong second Act, and then the third act it was four or five hours to shoot a scene four so it five. dragged out for but you were only like working in 30 minute increments and then a 30 minute break they'd relight reset the room come back in 30 more minutes and it was so it dragged out so much longer when things pop and you don't realize it like when i got hired to do who's nail and palin that was the Sarah yep. Palin movie, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hustler. And I, when I went back to write my first book, I looked in my planner because I save all my handwritten planners. It's a great thing for if you're going to write a book because you can kind of go through and relive your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll never remember it all. And I wrote Hustler movie. It was October 10th. I wrote Hustler movie. Like That's how little I thought that movie was going to be any different than any other movie I ever did. Yeah. And that ended up being the biggest game changer in my life. Like That was when I went from still trying to be like, I just want to live a double life and not be super famous, but make really good money. And not like, that was it. That was when I couldn't go anywhere without being recognized. That was when I was like, okay. But as for walking off... I was just happy if I connected well with my performer, if I made the job easier for him or her. Um, I just wanted everybody to have a good experience because with that, good things come out of it, right? Yeah. So, And I've never operated in ego. So mm. it's hard for me to walk off and be like, oh, that's gonna, I never knew why people thought I was popular. I never knew, yeah, I can look back now and say, I kept my look the same. I don't have any tattoos. I didn't change things that would make a fan not be my fan and bring in a new fan base. Like, so I just think it just build. But I never looked at myself as being anything special. And people will say like, oh, what's your go-to move? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know really what makes me so popular. I just work hard and get results. And that's what I don't understand. So never walked off thinking like, this is gonna be it. But Palin, 
So many things came after that. TMZ called to do an interview right away, and I still believe that TMZ was real. So I thought it was my friends pranking me. So I was like, I hung up. I'm no like, way. why would TMZ, and how do they get my phone up? We're like, yeah. this is not real. They're like, we hear you're going to the airport. We want to shoot you at the airport. So I just hung up. And the PR like, girl Damn. from Hustler called me. She's like, did you just hang up on TMZ? I'm like, yeah, but why do they call me? They're like, well, they set this up. I'm like, then I had to tell all my friends. It ruined it for all of us. We thought it was just random <laughs> that there were camera people at every airport. This yeah. was when TMZ was new. Yeah. 2006, 2007. Remember yeah. that movie was 2008. Mm-hmm. And so that that was that was one thing. And then about a week later, Joseph Kahn calls. I had an agency at that time. He calls my agency and my assistant's like, um, Joseph Kahn, the music video director's on the phone. Eminem wants to have you in his next music video. And I'm like, that's gotta be one of my fucking friends pranking me too. Like, (laughs) no. So again, another one, I didn't believe it. And that was when I started to realize like, okay, shit's popping off and this is a big deal and you've gotta like understand that your friends are not fucking with you. These people are actually trying to reach you for real. And doing the Eminem video was just such an awesome experience and such a game changer because it was the first time in my feature career where the first question would not be, what's your favorite position? Every guy would walk up to me and ask me that. Then I'd do the Eminem video and everyone's like, what's it like to work with Eminem? And I was like, fuck yes, I'm here for this. This like changed the I mean, whole conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You're expecting the questions that. like, yeah, missionary. I mean, well, you asked about Eminem? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh my God, it was awesome. Uh, I want to ask, so you're like the Jordan of the female entertainment industry. Who would be the Jordan of the male performers? I mean, for your generation, it has to be Johnny Sims. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that guy. And I was Johnny's it. first agent, Woodwork. so you know. Johnny's from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And Johnny was the only person that I was meeting. So I had a friend who would like find guys on the internet and he would shoot them like kind of low budget scenes, but if they were good, they'd call around to agents, be like, yo, I found this guy, I think he's great. And so when he told me about this guy and sent me photos, and Johnny was on, we were on MySpace at the time and I was always trying to find talent on MySpace. And I remember he was coming to meet me and I'm like, Hey, this guy's gonna be a star. Like, I, I gotta take him to eat like Ari would on Entourage because this was all yeah. at the same time. Yeah. So we went to Boca de Peppa across the street, sat down for this massive Italian meal, got to know him really well, and I just had such a great time making his career special. Like, I remember flying to Montreal and getting Brazzers to give him a stupid contract. Nobody thought I could come back with that money, and I was like, "This is the money I'm gonna come back," and, and I did. And so, like, and and he listen to every piece of advice I gave him and he takes good care of himself, he's beautiful, he doesn't have any tattoos. You know, the reason it's harder to book a male performer with tattoos is because the guys wanna fantasize that they're listening. What am I hearing? Yeah, That's us. Oh, that's us. Um, The guys wanna feel like it's them. And when a guy has like a huge arm tattoo and it comes in, it distracts the male viewer that's trying to, especially if it's a POV. So true. So Johnny, no tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> so There's true. There's no way you just so true that. So true. So, so it, it would have to be Johnny Sins for sure. Don't you agree? Oh, I mean, yeah. he's been everything. He's that, been everything. That wood goes to work. I'll, I'll tell you what. There's something he does well. I it's admire his that. art. <laughs> no, he's a good one. He's a good one. Smart dude too. Yeah. Invested his money right away. Bought a bunch of properties. That's awesome. You know, he's, he's brilliant. No, yeah, I mean, he's... He's like he wears every hat, you know, pizza delivery guy, yeah. astronaut. Astronaut, astronaut, military, <laughs> cop. Yeah, yeah. He does it all. Well, kind of like what is that like in terms of like are there scenes where obviously, you know, you're talking about like the pizza delivery guy, like all that stuff. Like when you're growing up, you're like, that happens. Like when you're growing up and we were like younger, you're like, so this is like gonna happen one day where like 
a plumber is going to be over and something or like my pizza delivery girl is going to be gorgeous and like I'm not going to have to pay for the pizza and it's like like do you ever think about that when you guys are like planning for a shoot or whatever and it's like oh you like the plumber's coming over and it's like have you ever ran into a real life scenario where like the plumber came over and not that you like hooked up with the plumber but just been like this is just so odd that we like make scenes out of this <laughs> Every time somebody's doing something, I need somebody in my apartment uh, or my house. You know, you like, what if the guy is hot? You know what I mean? Like, what do we do? We're in here alone. Um, but I will say this before, like food delivery was a big thing. You know, the only thing you could get delivered was pizza. Yeah. And I loved ordering pizza on set just so that I could get the talent. Like it was a big group scene with a bunch of girls. I'd be like, all right, we're only ordering pizza to answer the door naked. <laughs> and we're only doing it to mess with the pizza guy because yeah. he's been watching these movies too and it never happens for him. And so we've got to do this for him. So wow. like, Living the dream, I, I like to reverse it and have as much fun with it as That's possible. Good. And so, yeah, you do. You have those thoughts. And of course, I can't tweet like, oh, I'm having a cable guy over today. Because everybody on Twitter will be like, are you going to have sex with him? <laughs> what does the cable guy look like? We need to see him he now. He looks like a cable guy. <laughs> Not Johnny Sins. Was there ever, like, uh, I want to know, like, what, was there a scene where you're like, this was too much? Like, I can't do this. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. There were scenes that after I did them, I was like, okay, I tried that. I'll never shoot that style of scene again. Yeah. It wasn't for me. I never tried anything sexually on set that I didn't do in my real life first. And I think that's a really important thing. And I talk to young performers about it because you should desire that. You should want to have that in your sex life. And if you're not into girls and you haven't had sex with girls off camera, you shouldn't do it on set because you're selling to people that want something pure and real. Mm -hmm. And I think it should be pure and real. Mm -hmm. So like it, it upped the game for me. And I can remember having my first experiences of things that directors wanted to pay me a lot of money for. And I just was like, I'm not doing it in my personal life. And I can remember like the text that I would send out the next morning. So this just happened. I'd like to do it a couple more times, and then I would have performers come to my house and help me practice. So I would be really ready for it. But there were scenes that I did them like I'm not into bondage, like it's just not my thing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a, I'm not into being choked. You know, I would always tell guys on set like I'm a willing participant. I want to be here. Mm -hmm. Don't hold me down. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need to restrain me. Like, I want to be here. Yeah, I'm yeah, a yeah. willing participant. I'm enjoying this. You, you know, know what I mean? Yeah. And so, but you you do push the limits a, a little bit, right? And there have been scenes where I work, my very first scene ever, I put the guy that I worked with, my very first scene ever, on my no list as soon as the scene was over. We never worked together again. We stayed friends. He, 20 years later, started a production company and paid me mad money to shoot scenes for his company. Love that it was, but I had never had somebody, I'm from Pennsylvania, a small town girl. Halfway through the scene, he just whacked me across my face. And back then, it was harder for them to cut. They're shooting on film. You weren't allowed to look into the camera. like all. The, and I remember stopping, and I'm like, what was that about? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's when they realized how naive I actually was. Um, but I was like, you know, that's something you should ask a girl if she's into beforehand. Like, yeah. you should have talked about that. Like, I'm from outside of Philly. You hit me. I'm fucking stabbing you. Like, <laughs> I was about to say, I, like, you just fucking Yeah, hit my yeah. Back. And so we finished the scene, and afterwards, I gave him a hug and a kiss, and I'm like, we're never working together again. Uh, it was great. <laughs> but we did the scene on this trellis in this on this cliff that like overlooked the Hollywood sign that would the Hollywood sign was like 30 yards from this outdoor trellis and I was like it was the greatest overall experience and then the slap happened and I was like 
<laughs> yeah. was not expecting that, but that's also when I defined myself in the industry. That yeah. was the day that everybody realized, oh, this girl knows who she is, and she's gonna be open and honest. If I'm gonna be naked, having sex in front of multiple people who are working on this set, well, that I should be able to express my thoughts as well. Yeah. I should stay true to myself. This is the most vulnerable I could ever be in my life. And so that was a, a game-changing moment for me and the fact that I worked with guys through time that we had great runs and then eventually the run would be over and after the last scene, I'd be like, so this was our last time working together. And they were like, I could tell you weren't loving it. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, you're getting more aggressive for me or you're doing something that I don't like. And I think we should stay, scenes are only good if the performers are actually enjoying them. Yeah. Mm. And a lot of people I call paycheck performers, like we do athletes, you know, they're just doing it to get paid. It's like, no, fall into it. Like, have some passion with it. Enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, don't do it. And is there like, so that, that that's kind of an interesting point. Is there, because I guess as, you know, we, when you watch, you don't really think about that from, from the, the backside of it of, is there like a list of things that each performer comes to the set being like, I'm not comfortable with this, 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 and this, so don't do this, this, and this. In the 90s, we were treated like gold because there weren't a lot of women in the industry, and they were always afraid we were going to leave. So they told us to do this, like, hey, know what you want to do. Today, because the internet's... 2005, it became, we need as many girls, we need to shoot as many scenes as we can. There were companies shooting 50 scenes a week. So girls were getting picked out from malls. There were scouts that go out and find 18 year olds be like, you wanna make 20 grand a month? They'd put them in a car, take them to the agent's office, the agent would give them 500 bucks cash for each girl. Girls would sign a contract, they're doing scenes. They didn't even know yet to ask that. Now we're getting back to that in the industry where there's a conversation beforehand. But my entire career, I would sit down with my performer, hey, what don't you like? Like, you know, if guy's a curve, you wanna ask him like what angles are good for him, what's not? Do you have a knee pain right now? What's, what's is, we're, my first question is always what's your favorite position to pop from because we have to save that for last mm. we don't want that too early yeah. I don't want to make that, it yeah. difficult for you I want to save that for last and it'll be your go-to and then we don't have a problem right yeah. but communication is key and when I meet young performers I always talk with them about like know who you are and it's easier on the male performer if you're honest with him and he's not worried about pushing your limits he's got feelings and he's concerned and he doesn't want a bad rap where some girl goes on Twitter and is like oh this guy did this to me then the guy's like well you didn't tell me not to yeah. mm. so it is something that needs to be discussed and I believe people should have consent conversations in their own personal sex lives if you're out there single and meeting people having that conversation it doesn't sterilize the action of the intensity of you know getting drunk and meeting some random person in a bar and wanting to have sex but like know your cues whether you tap each other twice was always my thing like that means I'm not comfortable with something or I'm I'm, I'm, I'm just not loving that moment and know like what you're good with. Women tell me now, like I just met this new guy, first time together, he smacked me and he choked me. So I'm like, okay, well now you gotta tell guys and make it fun, you know, <laughs> tell them you're a willing participant, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, but having consent conversations is more important than ever. And especially because people are getting married later. We're having more sex with random people. Talk about it, feel comfortable with it, and then enjoy it. Mm. Would you rather never watch sports again or never have sex again? Oh my God. <laughs> Wow, I did not know that I was that coming. Is fuck. That is oh. a tough one. I don't even know that. Can I? Can I? I'm gonna, all right, can we wow. answer? Wow. Could I be a different age than I am right now? 
could could I be eighty five? Because then I think I'd be okay without sex, and I so want to. Yeah, watch I think at eighty five, you know I'd mean? be like, yeah, I'd get rid Do of I get sex. To choose what that is. I I can't. That's awful. Yeah, that's I'd rather one. lose a limb. Can I can I give up an arm? All right. Yeah, or you can yeah, lose you a can limb and you can have both. Yeah. Uh, then Would you I'll, lose? I'll a limb? give the arm. You wow. know what I mean? Yeah. Well, left or right arm? Are we giving? We're gonna do my left. Okay. Because I'm a right-handed person. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I and I I could go to this, but why struggle that hard? Yeah. Mm. Um, that's a horrible question. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> that was brutal. You just threw me so off. That I was know. so on the fly. I liked it so. That was so good, right? I'm still thinking. Like, I think I would go. I think I'd get rid of sports. I'll be honest. Really? Yeah, I think I'd get rid of sports. You just pick up a I, new uh, hobby. Yeah, I mean, I could get into like knitting. <laughs> Just like ferociously knit in my free time, but I feel like Reads that would just be. Too. Well, what would you do? Fuck, bro. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, a life without sports, like I mean, a life yeah, without that would sex, suck, would suck. I also don't suck. think it's healthy to go without sex. Yeah, I don't think so. Either. And I don't think it's healthy to go without sports either. I mean, um, <laughs> do you make a great I think point? That's a really unfair question. It is it <laughs> really is. putting on the spot. <laughs> but I like the you can take a limb away. I'd rather that. lose a limb. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I would take the yeah. limb. What I, limb would you get rid of? Probably my left arm as Everyone's well. Everyone's getting rid of their left arm. Because yeah. legs, you want to, you know, keep. Yeah, you, you know got to keep mean? the legs. You, don't yeah. be, you need the know. legs for the sports and the sex. <laughs> now, remember, the sex is going to be a little bit trickier with one arm. We're going to yeah, have to really think here. about that. Yeah. Some positions are going to be a little bit harder to yeah. achieve. You don't have a yeah. lot of leverage yeah, now. Yeah, you're not going to pick the girl up anymore and put her on the counter. <laughs> you you, know? you do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you can still do the cookie cutter positions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's like watching, you know, wiffle ball versus baseball, you know? Oh man! It's like watching Wolf Wall versus baseball. <laughs> Do you have a bet that you like lost? That was just a really bad beat. I had one last night. Can't keep. I can't stop thinking about it. But do you have any bad beats that you remember or recall that just were so much pain? Yes, and I, I, I for what stands with me the most. Okay, bad beat was the Super Bowl. Uh, I will say I did bet the under and Eagles to, to take the win. Um, and I still do believe that they could have won and I still do blame it on the sod. So I have, sod, I, I'm not, it. I'm in part of sod gate in a big way. I followed every article. I'm very like, so that, but there's times where like I've been busy on the road and didn't like, I didn't adjust my lineup and I'll never forget the first time I didn't put Draymond Green in. He had a triple double and a fantasy head dead matchup. And I was like, I, I regretted it for so, it scarred me so hard that I like double check, double check and plan ahead. You know, like I'm going to be at an event at this time. Mm -hmm. You better set your lineup, then tinker, then take a break and retinker. Um, but yeah, there've been bad bets over bad bets over bad bets, and you just uh, you, you just gotta roll with it yeah. and think of it good. Have you had a fantasy take that just did not age well? Like I remember, um, actually, it was probably two years ago when I said Zach Wilson was gonna be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and now he's probably gonna be a backup. Like, do you have any takes in oh, fantasy obviously. where you were like, this guy? Is it this year? And do you remember who it is? Because I feel like even in my friend groups, in our group messages, when fantasy football comes around or fantasy basketball comes around, like you always clown that one kid that was like, I'm drafting Joe Mixon in the first round and Joe Mixon has an awful year. And you're just like, yeah, you're going to draft Joe Mixon again this year? Or like, what's your plan? Man, I really had higher hopes for Tyler Higby. Um, mm. This really hurt me this year because I was heavy. You could get him late. And I was touting him super, super hard. Um, of course, I held on to the dream of Leonard Fournette and really expected a big season. Like it's it's so often like in fantasy you're so hot or cold, 
so hot or cold. So there's, there's so I was on Zach Wilson this year too. I mean, luckily it balanced it out because I was on Tua as well. But like, yes, it happens every season. You're gonna do it. You're gonna go all in. Somebody's gonna save the clip. They're gonna replay it for you yeah. every week. And you're like, yeah, I said that. <laughs> I thought Michael Gallup was gonna at least have 15 touchdowns this season. Okay. <laughs> yes, I said that. I did tell you to play this prop. Okay. Like yes and. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Yeah. yeah, we get we get obliterated with that stuff pretty pretty oh, frequently. Yeah, day. but you don't get people that say to you, "You should have stuck with sucking cock." Yeah. That's... See, when I give a bad beat, wow. the responses I get are vile. Like, yeah, I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah, yeah can't that's imagine. Yeah. and like plus the disrespect women already get for right. trying to be in sports betting, which mine's I think next is level. Yeah, no, I can't yeah, imagine yeah. the DMs. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my DMs are not open to strangers, and this year one of my New Year's resolutions was to no, no longer troll trolls uh, and I'm doing really well I, I broke the habit but like normally when a guy would say something like that to me like you should have stuck to sucking dick I would usually write back oh my condolences nobody wants to suck your dick <laughs> I get it and I realized I just shouldn't do that anymore as a 50 year old woman yeah. so I had to stop but it's so hard yeah. because when they say it I don't get as upset as I feel like George on Seinfeld with the jerk store where I'm like I've got the perfect fucking comeback and I'm gonna throw it out there and now I'm like oh I can't do that anymore it's not a good luck speaking of the DMs and being in the sports world I mean I'm sure they're full of athletes yes. I'm sure yes. um, has there ever been a time where you know Sunday's coming up and an NFL player DMs you at like 2am and you're like dude you're playing tomorrow I'm gonna fade the shit out of you every time all the time really um and i've had interactions with athletes uh, in person where you know they've been partying and it's been very disappointing to me uh and i've been like you know like you only got like 10 years to do this you know i'm the person at the strip club knowing that they were just in the bathroom doing blow or what have you mm -hmm. and i'm like is this really what you want to be doing you know you do this later like can't you do this when you're 35 like why are you doing this now you know like I, I, I can't like bet on you. I can't believe in you. I'm never gonna look at you the same. Like so, that's been an impact uh, where I've lectured repeatedly. But that is the great thing about the DMs. And if a player has a big game that I'm not following, I will time it perfectly to make sure I know when they're either on the team bus or the team plane, and I will follow him. And as soon as they notice you follow, they slide into the DM like, thanks for the follow, mama, yeah. I appreciate it so much. I'm like, well, you had a really big game and I wanted to tell you I liked it. And so that's how I normally would, but I won't do it until, you know, you have mad crazy amount of points, basketball yeah. or just yeah. a good game. And I'm like, and then if I want to meet a player and I'm going to their game and we haven't met yet, I'm like, okay, well, we'll meet after the game if you get in the end zone. Um, and so like I you do got all- got four touchdowns. <laughs> I do Dude, all these on today? It's little Dude. personal challenges that I tell my friends, all right, here's the deal. I'll hang out with you after the game if he doesn't get in the end zone, but if he does, we're gonna hang out. It just makes my life fun. And yeah. I, I've had my finger on the pulse of industries in my personal life since the early 90s. And now I've watched their lives change and grow and they'll introduce me to younger players. You know, younger player will ask them about me and they'll be like, oh, I'll introduce you to you, it's cool. I've cooked um, many dinners for players' 21st birthdays. No wow. way. Wow. Does Lisa Ann slide in DMs? 
Yes, I do. Really? Wow. But you got to have a big game first. <laughs> wow. All right, how did how did you two even connect? Like, did, did you slide in hers? Did she slide in yours? What so happened? I, I think started she it. started by following me, and then I think what really started was the what you were just talking about. How you were stopping? So you were going to stop trolling trolls, and she had this tweet about she was going to start blocking people, and if you still see your tweets, you're part of this survivor list. Yeah, it's and Twitter survival. It's like Twitter survival island. Yeah. Yeah, and I was I responded. I was like, call me the lone survivor because I was like. I'm never leaving. <laughs> I was like, call me the lone survivor. And I think that's what's kind of like started. And then I think I DM'd you about wanting to get you on the podcast and everything like yep. that. Yep. But yeah, it was the lone survivor. Let's go. Still surviving. Still surviving. And I found him through a girlfriend of mine that loves sports betting. She lives in Huntington Beach. And she, I was just with her. And she sent you to me. And she's like, you've got to follow him. He's amazing. By the way, you have to meet him. And so my friends give me so many good leads because they know what I love. And uh, so right away I found you. And then I followed your other platforms. And I was like, holy shit. Like, you kill it on TikTok. Like, you kill it on TikTok. Yeah, we've been going crazy. But you kill it. Our video did really well, too. I don't know if you saw it. Also, my hand was shaking like I was... <laughs> but like, I love the comments that you wrote. Like, your hand would be shaking, too, if you met Lisa Yeah, Ann. I was like, hey, guys, if you met Lisa Ann on, like, a Saturday at a pool, I'm pretty sure your hand would be shaking just Trust as much. Trust me, when they come over for photos, I can start to hear their heartbeat when they're within 12 inches. And then as they come to me, I can just feel it. Boom, 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 boom. I, know. I always whisper in there, like, breathe. It's just me. Did I? I do that? You did. Could you hear me from a mile away? You probably heard me from the parking lot. You're like, oh, God damn it, he's here. Um, I'm going to throw a word to you that we've, or a phrase that you coined that we've talked about, and I just, I want you to explain it for him. Um, what is this? A feverish masturbator. Feverish masturbator. A feverish masturbator. Yes, yeah, so you can also go to the domain feverishmasturbator.com, which was one of the over 400 domains that I own, wow. and it drops into my YouTube channel. So a feverish Plug. masturbator is someone that has an unhealthy consumption of adult content. This could be anywhere from four, six, maybe eight hours a day. Those people are out there. You know about incels. You know, a lot of them mm -hmm. are incels. And they have a different approach. When I see them and we lock eyes, it's very much like the tape this person has walked. Picture the combine. The quarterbacks that are out there, the coaches that are watching them have already watched endless hours of film. Yeah, They get to see them in person. They know exactly what they're looking for, right? This is how the feverish masturbator approaches me. <laughs> like, I have watched so much tape on you, and now I'm in front of you. And it's it can be jarring, because it's like, I, he he's he's sweating profusely. Yeah, I think I'm a Nat Geo. Like he's, a <laughs> you know, maybe talking about something that was so specific in a scene that I'm like, don't remember, like... I told you like so you had your hair up in a ponytail in the scene and then like halfway through you took it out what made you do that and I'm like that my friend is a feverish masturbator what the how wild is that that's crazy they know every and like you know of course every day I get asked when are you coming back when are you coming back and I'm always like if you have seen all of my scenes after almost 30 years in the business get a new hobby like why should i have to do it again like i've done everything okay a million times like you my friend are a feverish masturbator um if you get on if you see some guy's screensaver and it's a porn girl and he wants that out at everything he does in his life church work pta that man is a feverish masturbator oh, yeah. okay so i i now have to 
ask you something about that because I change my screen no <laughs> change your screen right, right now, now. <laughs> get, get her off your lock screen now before I ask this question um, no, my but, screensaver says love people use things the opposite never works wow use people love things. love people use things or what the would be the opposite? the opposite would be what you said using oh, yeah, people right. to love things oh got it, got it. it's from the minimalists got it got it um, so I have to ask you if this is weird because I was told it was weird, but I didn't think it was that weird. Here we go. When I, when I first got into doing this whole thing, I went out to LA and was like sleeping on couches and all that stuff. And I read this article and it was your lock screen should be a motivation because right now in the 21st century, you see your lock screen more than anything in your entire life. You sometimes see it more than the outside yeah. world. Um, and I was on these couches in LA, like really just like struggling, like trying to do this whole, like put my pics online, like really putting myself out there for the first time. And I saw that article and I had a massive crush on this like girl that did TikTok. So I was, you know, I'm just going to make her my lock screen because every day I'll wake up and be like, all right, I got to get like a million views. Like I got to get a million views. Like I'm going to pull, I'm going to pop up on her screen today. Like this is like, this is my motivation right now. Is that weird? Because then I would be out and like I would meet someone and I would like go to open my phone to like give them my number, or get their number, and it would be like them on my screen. And I'd have to like explain this whole bit. I never thought it was weird, but now I don't have that as my lock screen anymore. But do you think that's like a weird thing? Like if you saw that, I don't think it's weird because it had layers to it. You were inspired. Look, look you were into her. But you weren't just into her superficially. You were inspired by what she was doing. She was already where you wanted to go. Mm -hmm. So she had like this power over you of like, you know, you kind of emulated her in a sense. And even though you thought she was hot, it wasn't just that. The guy that has the nude photo, it's totally different. The only thing his mind is going to is being a feverish masturbator. Yeah, right. So yeah, sure. I love that you read articles and you pull something from them because that was brilliant. And it, it was twofold. You were young and you should have a cute girl on your phone, right? So mm -hmm. like, no, that was not weird. That was it actually on point. didn't work out when I would, you know, meet girls families and I'd be like oh yeah we actually went on this trip and like the dad would be next to me and I'd yeah. open my phone and be like ooh <laughs> ooh that's not your daughter but I'm also not seeing the other girl I'm yeah, just infatuated with her yeah. um, but like, you don't oh, understand she's just... really good on TikTok and yeah, dad does gets, not understand she gets plenty of views it really is just that it's like a motivational thing you wouldn't understand um, we don't want to hold you too long I think we're almost at the hour mark we've been doing this thing at the end of the episodes where it's kind of rapid fire questions they could be silly. They could be serious. Um, we're just going to throw a couple questions at you. Please. And, and your question was fucked up. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was, that was, so that was rude. super fucked up. I think you should apologize before we I'm do that. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I just came up with it on the spot. I was like, ooh, that could be good. Um, <laughs> so rapid fire questions, Lisa Ann. The Caramel Corn Shop, hit or miss, in Eastern Pennsylvania. Caramel I heard it is the most iconic. How did you know about that? What is that? Oh, did my, my research. God. That was so legendary. So miss. it was it was hit or miss, but when I was growing up, they would have these like 10 cent bags of candy. So it would be like a mixed bag of like stuff that wasn't as fresh from the day before, but it would be in this little mini brown lunch bag. And I remember we went would go downtown. It was just 10 cents. And there'd be like root beer floats or whatever was in there. And we would be, it was so magical. As a kid, you're, you're down there and you'd ask my grandparents, like, can I have 10 cents and go in, the, in there? It was such an old school, wow, that takes me really back to my past. It was epic because I loved candy and my mom didn't let us have any candy. Only my dad and my grandparents would let us have candy. So I love that place. Showers or baths? Both. 
Really? Yeah, yes. We, I we have a bath guy. Okay. Big, big bath. Is guy. that odd? It's Our not, bath guy's weird. I sit in the bath and watch golf. Like yeah. I, t- I soaked in the tub this morning, but I do rinse off after a bath. Oh, for sure. I do like to then do a little cold water, but I, in a nice tub, sweet. I love baths. Yeah. Wait, you know that makes sense because my whole thing with baths is I feel like I'm just in a soup of your own I'm shit. Dirty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know. So you have to saying? rinse off after. No, yeah, wow. Do you sure. take a post bath rinse? Yeah. Well, I usually, I'll even take a post shower rinse. Like get in the shower after the tub. Yeah, wash like, it off. No, yeah, you yeah, said yeah. post shower yeah, rinse. Post, post tub. tub shower rinse. Yeah, after but you that. said it as if you take a shower, get out, and then rinse off again. again after yeah, you did. The shower. By the way, you did. I got yeah, to no, you said that. I just wanted to be like, you wow, if you do that, we need to have a serious conversation <laughs> when we're done filming today. If you take a shower, get out, and then rinse off again. No. Um, why have you never told me about the rinse? I mean, there was, I thought it was just kind of a normal thing. You don't want to just like get out of the tub that you've been sitting in. You don't, and I also don't like to use a tub that's attached to a shower. Yeah. Oh, you like either. a solo tub. It has tub. to be a separate tub. Yeah, for sure. Do you have a shape of tub you like? Uh, anything will do as long as somebody didn't shower in it beforehand. Because <laughs> mm, he's got an egg tub. Oh, those are nice. Yeah, looks like an egg. They're really well. nice. It fits, well. <laughs> it fits well. It really fits my body well. Um, burgers or pizza? Pizza. Really? Do you have Every like a time, favorite topic? Uh, I really like anchovies. You know, I eat ninety five percent plant based. So, like, when I'm gonna like, I don't do I don't do pork. I barely do chicken. Uh, but like, give me some anchovies. And they're kind of hard to find. People don't love anchovies. They're really salty. Anchovies. Yeah. Fun Lisa anchovies. Ann likes anchovies. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have really known? Salty. Who would have known? Um, high heels or sneakers? High heels. Okay. It is it be for a comfort thing or is it? I'm just short. Most people don't know it. Like so far, the last two nights, I've had seven inch heels on. So people think I'm five nine. I'm five two, <laughs> and so I get recognized more when I'm in when I'm. But okay, recognized less when I'm in sneakers. But I'll be walking through the airport and I'll hear a guy talking to his friends. Like I think it's her, and then I hear them looking me up. And they're like, "No way, is she that short? It can't be her." And then they realize she's only five two, and they're yeah. like, "It's her." So it's given me an uh, ultra like a kind of privacy thing. Always wearing heels. Um, do you have a rapid question? I'm trying to think of one. Pools or beaches? Ooh, okay. This really depends on the pool. Like, I remember when Hard Rock was a thing. Remember when Hard Rock was like the summer pool in Vegas? And I would be like, you will not get me in that water. Because everybody was partying, and I was like, there's got to be STDs in that water. Like, it was gross. Depends where the pool is. I love the beach. Love. But like California, the beaches are useless. The water's cold kind of gray and dirty you don't know what you're getting mm-hmm. but i was just in miami and and got in the water there so i love them both i got one uh, i have a rooftop pool in my building in new york city and oh, i wow. love wow. it in the summer it's amazing well for new york we're gonna have to stop by oh, oh yes 100%. just yes. for the rooftop pool uh if you had to film a scene right now would it be with an nfl player or an nba player <sighs> and what would the title be now be i'll both? make the title Oh. I mean, can we be like merging the best of the best of worlds? Could it's like it be all-star like, team like, yeah, we'll, we'll call it, we'll call it Lisa's All Stars. Yeah, I mean, It'll be a pro I, bowler and an All Star. Can we, can we parlay it? Like, can we pull from different leagues? You, that would be a tough one. Yeah, actually, I'd love to hear your answer on this. Give me your five, like, just you, you wish you could do a scene with in one time. Like today, of current athletes. I can't, you know, I can't blow my rap like that because my black book is hella valuable. And because no one's ever been name dropped. Um, unless they've wronged me. There been a time or two where somebody and I had to set them in place. But it's funny, yeah. a player that's trying to, to meet up with me uh, that a couple of years ago we were going to meet up and like right before a big fail with me is when players ask me to like bring friends or like run errands to yeah. me that's an errand like yeah. yo you got any friends you can bring for my boy I'm like that's not my job yeah. like so we're not talking yeah. so now he's trying to like 
I finally refollowed him again after like two years. So he hits me this morning. He's like, "We should try this again." I'm like, "Don't drop the bag this time, bro. <laughs> Don't ask me to run fucking errands for you. Okay, figure it out." I love so. it. I love it, boss. And this question's for uh, our male audience out there. I know they, um, you know, also like my friend group as well. I think you know a lot of males out there in general. Um, is the clitoris real, and why? Why do I not believe in it? In it? The mythical clitoris. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is real. It does take a little focus. Each woman likes something different, and this is again where communication is really important. Also, have either of you ever watched porn with a partner, or have you always watched it alone? I feel like no. The porn's like a, that dirty little secret that you just do, and then you yeah. feel like terrible after yeah you can Just, learn like, a lot up. watching and you there's storyline porn right so if you're gonna watch porn with a, in a in a relationship with a girl um you know you want something storyline because you'll learn a lot about what the girl likes by what she's talking about that she's seeing so it's visual but wow. in the more aggressive kind of scenes that okay. are out there now there's no time focused on it so you're not learning from it but if you if you go through it's like i like to watch with somebody like i want i like to watch foreign porn Nobody speaks English. There's one director I love, Mark Dorsell. I shout him out all the time. And usually it's like all these melting pot, like Russian, Ukrainian women, like all these different, and they don't speak English. So I love that. And I don't know them. Um, but they keep like their laundry on a bit. They do really good scenes. Like I kind of know the format. But when a new movie drops and I see the ad on AVN, because I still, you know, get all the industry magazines. Mm-hmm. I'll be like texting like, yo, and I know what hotels I can rent that porn in. So it's like certain friends, I'm like, yo, I'll meet you out in California, make sure we stay at this hotel because we can get the Mark Dorsell movies. We'll watch it together. It's like a whole thing. Wow. Why, like, speaking of the storyline, I'm kind of a storyline sucker. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Look, me too. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> is that something that you guys think about in in the industry itself, or is the storyline an afterthought? Like, is the storyline something that you've in films that either you've directed or produced really thought about that storyline, or is it just kind of something where oh, we'll just throw the storyline in and then they get to like the good part or whatever. It depends, the good part. right? Some I'm, a sto- I'm a sucker for the some, story. It, That's the first it, time I'm saying that out loud. It's a fifty-fifty, like talent and directors as well. Some people really have it planned beforehand. They give you an idea. Here's the concept because if you're planning your wardrobe you need to know if it's office attire yeah. if you're in an office if you're mm-hmm. a teacher so you get that but some crews I'd work for I'd show up they'd be like alright so how do you guys want to make this happen like you want him to be like a UPS driver like what do you want and I, I'm always like we should have this shit together like we should have had an idea I like to actually think about it the day before yeah. so I kind of want to know what I'm what I'm fantasizing about so mm-hmm. I'm only in the game when I get there but it is something I think about when I watch storyline movies I like like it's like a murder mystery in the beginning I'm like oh yeah that girl's gonna be the one at the end that does anal I can already tell that's always the last scene <laughs> in a five scene movie it's always a build up there's like a girl girl scene then there's like a real romance scene they save the heavy hitters like a closer in baseball yeah. you know uh, I always call the girls that do the last scene the anal scene the closers the closer. like you're the closer she's the anal girl i can just feel She's it now the closer in this movie i can feel it but so yeah I like do you have 100 percent like hit rate with that if we were to throw on like a 100 could you just be like Anal. and every guy that i watch him with always now asks like who's the closer who's closing that i'm out? like oh yes I'm gonna exactly I what you see that one tattoo about. that one tattoo is telling me and it's gonna be good <laughs> it's like a scout it's like an nfl scout that one Literally. tattoo he's got big glutes he's gonna be able to run the ball real well it's like that tattoo that's anal that's yeah, cool. all, all day she this is gonna be fantastic and she's gonna leave her bra half on i'm gonna love it 
everything about it um i've actually seen like a couple clips about people saying that you know to do a scene like that you have to have days of preparation is that like true yeah like the diet changes the you just you don't eat for 24 hours so and what's hard about not eating for 24 hours is not the 24 hours because you train your body to fast it's that then you have to go on set and do a lot shoot a lot of photos before you shoot the scenes maybe do some dialogue the pickup and so now you're actually having to use your brain and think and your blood sugar is low so a lot of times we'll just you know break open sugar packets and put it in water and drink it um some people will do red bull some people it's liquids only and so it's a real yo-yo on on your your body then of course when you leave you go to in and out to the drive-thru and order like 10 things for one person in the car and just just slam them down on the 405 like you picture ever like to me the best hamburger commercial would always be that the girl that's in the valley in traffic on the 101 she's peeling her eyelashes off that didn't fall off in the shower after the scene she's stuffing her face with a burger like we've all done it i've done it so many times (laughs) it'd be a great ad the in and out ad right off the set fresh off the set carl's jr whoever but i get to write it I'm writing that the commercial. Yeah, don't be afraid to hit up Lisa for don't the commercial. Don't be afraid but at the release really to get this going because I would put that together. <laughs> that would also hit. I feel like, like no, a, that would smack. For sure. <laughs> like yeah. that would smack. That would but um, you guys can like just communicate with your women and find the clitoris thing is real. <laughs> I don't believe you, and but sure. it's magical. No, I'm just it's okay. magical. What do you think? The, how we're do you gonna think find it one day? Hopefully, <laughs> you know that journey's been Have going on. Have you ever opened a papaya and like looked at it inside or fruit and how it's shaped? Okay, so here's the thing about that is I actually have a buddy that I'm going to air out and he was, <laughs> we had this as a joking conversation one time with my friend group and he was adamant and said, dude, my sex life changed when I bought a papaya with my girlfriend and we went step by step on that goddamn papaya. And he was like, my hand was covered in papaya. <laughs> I learned this from the guys on Stiff Socks, and they actually sent me a case of papayas after I did the episode. Uh, but they had me break one open and do a demo with them. So it, it does work. I would try it. Okay. Papayas, yeah. Nick, add it to the list. Because if buy. you find the clitoris and you can do the right thing with it, you need to have a lot less money. You know, if you, if you, you can't be. do that shit right, you gotta be rich. When guys say to me, like, I'm small or I'm really bad in bed, I'm like, just be a plastic surgeon. You're gonna meet hot girls and you'll have a hot wife. Um, but if you're not good at it, you gotta be rich. Yeah. Lisa, yeah. please make my day. Does size matter? It does and it doesn't. Okay, that was upsetting. I thought I was going to get an adamant. It's no. all about the motion of the ocean. No, it doesn't. It doesn't because it's a mindset. Like you can see big dick energy, and sometimes that guy's just an asshole because he knows he can be. It's kind of like the hot girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you'd rather compromise down a little bit and be like, you know what? This guy's going to be more giving, and he's going to do a lot of other shit, and it's going to be amazing. So it's about connection. For me, it's about connection more than the size completely and yeah. i learned that in the business and i learned that in my personal life as well did you just there you go there we go there we go it's all about the connection guys we're still here we're, we're still, still in here. the game because think about it if it's too big you can't use it all the time yeah. that's what i'm saying you, you know can't. like you can't you've if seen it's mandingo. too big you've yeah. seen mandingo right I've so yeah i mean i've had in real life to yeah. see that in human form with the naked eye like right away i have to stop everything and be like i have i have questions <laughs> What was this like for you in high school? When you went to school dances, did girls know? What happened when you got a boner? How freaked out did yeah. girls get? Does it like, touch your ankle? Like, what was did that? Did young like? girls run away from you? Like, how hard is it to date? Like, I'm like super curious. Could you play sports with it? Yeah, all of that. Like, that thing did you tape be it down? Moving. I mean, what kind of jock strap worked for you? Yes, 100 questions. I've heard it was fake, like a, like it's in a it's prosthetic. Not. 
It's real. Wow. wow. Just walk around with a hammer. Hammer. <laughs> um, but we didn't want to take up all your time. We did want to leave a little bit of time for you to ask us a couple questions if you have them. Okay. If not, totally fine. We I can do. wrap here. Okay. How long have you two known each other? Um, we worked together uh, 2019 at an internship together. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. you do have that brohood, that connection where you've watched each other weave in and out of like relationships oh, and, yeah. and some mm. wins and some losses, some oh, good yeah. times in life and Plenty some bad of times. Plenty. Plenty. Um, are you single? I'm not. I have a girlfriend. How long have you two been together? Uh, almost a year. And how about you? No, single. Are you planning on marrying this girl? Um, yeah, I can see it. Whoa. I can see it. I, mean, Whoa. I definitely love her and, uh, you know, I'm grateful to be in a relationship with her that's for sure <laughs> do you see yourself getting married i would love to get married one of my goals in life actually is when it's all said and done i want to be remembered as a really good dad oh, i don't wow. know if that's weird <sighs> that's i've talked about dropper. i've talked about that before chicks are gonna be flooding your messages that's a great answer no, i've talked about that before that's like something where you know if the social media thing goes really well whatever um I would rather the people around me remember you as being like a really good dad, not like an influencer or the sports better or like the funny guy. Like if you know me, I hope one day that's like. I'd like hope. to be devil's advocate. You know, your child could also kill you. I do read these articles a lot in the news when people have kids. I know you, I always say to them like, you could be raising your own murderer. Just yeah. think that about that. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they would do it in like a cool way. They're like, put me out. I'd cool. love to say that. Okay, so you both have these plans. Where do you both see yourself with this right here in the next five years? Do you want to have a studio? Do you want to have a crew, like your regular crew, like a McAfee yeah. crew? Yeah, I want to have like a rider, you know, like yeah. I pull up and it's like, he needs the M&Ms and a bottle of water. <laughs> yeah. But I but I want my rider to be like a bit where it's like not serious at all. Right, It's right. like, you'd think it'd be like a water, a water bottle and a thing of M&Ms. But it's like, I need that every time or like something like weird. I had like a, a strong rider if there was a Monday night game or a game that I was going to have to go to the club. Like the guy that picked me up at the club could not have the opposing jersey on if the Cowboys were playing. So one of the guys that picked me up was Niners uh, Cowboys Monday night. It was in Pompano Beach, Florida. And he showed up. Niners jersey, I slammed the hotel door, I called the club, and I'm like, you better tell this guy to take off that jersey, because I'm not riding with him. I got my Cowboys shit on, so that's kind of a little bit it's of a It's gonna riding. be hands. I, um, I would say for this show, the, the goal, I think, for me is very much a Joe Rogan meets a whatever the funniest podcast to to whoever is right okay. I, to me i think theo von is hysterical so yes. i love his comedy i love the way he tells stories so kind of like a joe rogan meets really good comedy with sports in that yeah. would kind of be like the goal in the industry of betting there's just so much boring content boring content it's all analytical crunching numbers you know and to our demographic we ain't watching that shit no. you know i'm the horny kid that uh that pays for the drinks <laughs> exactly it's yeah. gonna be like hey man listen the last five here's what happened with the splits uh, yeah it's, it's like, like we're just two dudes who love the bet and you know we're gonna talk about our wins and losses and we're gonna do it again tomorrow you know we're not i mean probably to be a smart you know profitable better maybe you should you know be more analytical and shit but that's not <laughs> us and we're not going to be someone we're not so appealing to just the common better like you're sitting on the couch talking to your boys. That's what people say why they like our podcast is because they feel that way when they listen to us. And there's a changing of the guards, you know. There's that old heads that are not going to get any new listeners, new mm -hmm, followers, no. new viewers. And there's the 18-year-old that is now born into legalized sports betting. Exactly. And so my fascination with you and following the both of you has just been watching how you get it 
how relatable you are, how fun you are. I love that you dance in some of your videos. Like I love all your videos. Like (laughs) I love all of it. And I just think it's great how you've merged it together. And I think some of the old heads are too cool for school and be like, I'd never do that. They're not even on TikTok yet. But what you've already captured in this short period of time is just really fun to witness. And so you say, you want to be remembered as a great dad. You know, I want my legacy to be how I affected the people and impacted the people that I've met. And so I love to watch other people succeed. So I have a lot of younger people in my life that are just like on their come up. And I'm like, oh, this is great. I want to be a part of your life. Come to me if you need anything. But more than anything, watching you and being excited for you fills that like mom void because I never wanted my own kids. And so I get to watch this and I love it. And I'm just so happy we met. I'm so happy that we were able to make this weekend happen. Mm-hmm. And now I've seen you in your space and you saw me in my space. You're like, we're we're weaving getting sure, to know absolutely. each other into a really small space of time. Absolutely. No, yeah, this has been so awesome. We like really appreciate you coming on and being so open to, you know, this kind of new era of creators because, you know, we found it pretty difficult with that old guard necessarily or even anyone in the industry. You know, you talk about the females love to show love to each other and like we we notice that but with the guys it's very much like get like get the fuck out of here yeah. like it is rare if a barstool guy that's really high up interacts with like one of us who is like on the come up or someone from a BR betting or, or those sites so we did want to you know say thank you for you know showing love and coming on the podcast and we just really appreciate you and getting to know you over the past two days has been yeah. a wild ride I, I mean so much respect for you and just hearing your journey and your how you handle everyday life like I'm super impressed and, and honestly inspired so appreciate you coming on it's awesome thank you for having me and you guys have access to me whenever you need me and I'm always here thank you so much That's also good. just want to out there everyone that gives me shit for the dancing Lisa Ann said she liked it so I love um, it no, I'm gonna keep it that's a huge dub it's a huge dub keep it keep that's it. a huge dub because it, <laughs> appeals to all the, it appeals to all the things I love and it, it sucks me in I'm like oh my god he's so cute look at he says I'm, that's so cute and I just got called cute I think we can end it there guys that is maybe we can just end the whole thing there Let's um go. This has been another episode. Elisa, why don't you tell them where they can find you? Everything is at The Real Lisa Ann. Don't fall for imposters. It's the same across the board. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, everything. And uh, go to feverishmashbitters.com and check out my YouTube channel. Bang. And But don't be one. You know, you check it out, but don't don't be one. Okay? Please. Talking to you. <laughs> Behind the camera. Um, this has been another episode from the TFM Bets. I guess, yeah. We'll be yeah, seeing. You know we'll be seeing. See oh, the couch. Home. We didn't ask about the couch. Oh, yeah. We were just saying that Right this before couch... we sign off, can we ask you just one last oh, question? please. It's really weird. Oh, it's a great, it's a great scene couch because it doesn't have arms on both sides. <laughs> oh, um, so You we do were... have distributed the weight properly because these can tip because they don't have as much weight from an arm. And it would be... It's a lighting thing because it allows you to open up. You could actually have a light coming in from this side where the armrest would normally be blocking that. And it's one less spot for the guy's foot to kind of fall into. Was it about a Scene. You just blew my mind. That was crazy. Oh my god! You're, are you oh, like that a was crazy. interior decorator expert? Was it about a, well, every piece of I, every workbench I look at? I think how we're gonna. It's a workbench. You know? <laughs> when we would show up to set, I'd always say to the director, like, "Yo, where's our workbench today?" So I'll say you word for word what was said about the couch, and then you just kind of you kind of wrap that up perfectly. But we walked in and we sat down. Just keep in mind it was after a very long day of drinking. As we sat down after the first day of games, we sit down on the couch and I like look at Trent like, "Are you ready to film?" And he word for word looked at me and said, "This is just a very nuttable couch." (laughs) I just want you to react to that statement. It is, and it's not an easy to clean nuttable couch either. And. 
There's been a lot of, you know, look, yeah. that's Vegas. A lot of shit's happening. It could have been relationships, could have been, you know, purchased. Uh, there's definitely some no, yeah, I'm yeah, sitting shit on, yeah, on there. We have but, said this is the But look, couch. germs are good for us. And, you know, be happy that somebody nutted on the couch. I'm proud of Somebody it. got it. You know, <laughs> we were doing like CSI Miami on this couch. The other day, yeah, we were like, like this, oh, this, this was chair would be difficult because you can't get light in these sides. Yeah. So you'd have to go over top, which creates shadows. Uh, you would really have to just use the armrest of this chair. You'd never be able to get in for the scene. So, like, you know, blocking out furniture is a real thing. Oh yeah, wow. I, didn't I never think thought about, about that. that. Well, we could interview for you, interview you for twenty four hours with the amount of questions I have. But thank you so much for coming on again, Lisa. You've been awesome. Your life story is incredible. Uh, we'd love to have you on again sometime in the future as well, because uh, you know the questions are just limitless. Yeah. Um, but we really appreciate you again, and just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me. We'll be seeing. Be seeing, guys. <laughs>